The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometers of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Tēnā koutou katoa, no mai haere mai. Hello and welcome to this experiment uh, at the Escape Festival. This is the first uh, time we've done a live podcast. It's, I was going to say it's the first time we've ever had two guests, but we've quite often had Mihi Forbes and one of Annabelle's animals or children. Yeah. Which is the only other... Yeah. So it's a, it's a new, <laughs> new territory for I us. I usually bring Mihi when I'm hungover oh. and I need extra backup. So that's, <laughs> if you hear her, you know why. Um, quickly, housekeeping. Phone's on silent, if you like. Uh, you're welcome to wear a mask if you wish. We're recording this, and this goes for the people listening at home as well. Welcome to wear a mask. Please turn your phones off. Um, if there's an emergency, the exits are all here the way you came in, and it's gather in the courtyard. My name is Toby Manhire. I'm the editor at large of the spin-off, and I will uh, introduce this uh, gathering of fine people. Annabelle Lee Mather, that one there, is the Shall executive go. producer of The Hui, the creator of The Casketeers. She has politics in her DNA. She is an enemy of injustice and an enemy of pigeons. Mm. Ben Thomas beside her is a former press secretary to Chris Finlayson. He loves Zorbs, craft beer, and having a nice time online. Mm. He's director at the PR and lobbying firm Capital, and he recently completed a contract as comms guy for the newly elected Auckland mayor, Tools Down Wayne Brown. (laughs) Ben was one of Mr. Brown's boys. He He was a true Wainiac. You'd be amazed how hard it was to get that to catch on during the campaign. Wainia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it happened. Ten awkward to Jansenetti, who joins us as a guest. Tauranga-based MP, who at one point recently looked like she was going to have to be defeated in two by-elections in one year. (laughs) (laughs) The only only member of the Labour caucus who was secretly happy when he was in some form. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Uh, Jantanita is a rising star of the Ardern Cabinet. Uh, She's better placed than than many as a former teacher and principal, as an associate minister for education. She's also the minister for women and the minister for internal affairs. And that presents a slight 
difficulty for her, which I'm sure you'll appreciate, because you'll have heard people talking about whether or not they're speaking with their ministerial hat on or their MP hat. And in that light, I thought I'd help the situation <laughs> by uh, actually creating some hats. So there you go, Jan. That's your MP, oh, MP hat. My MP, thank you. And there's your minister hat. I even, <laughs> I even made a little crown at the oh, top no. of it there. So you can keep those. I've got no hats for you. I'm sorry, Tanya <laughs> Tapsall. Um, very good. I love it. Um, uh, you're welcome to keep swapping them through the course of the, this, this event. Okay. Uh, we, we thought about we wanted we, we thought about who we would get um, for some mayor power, and we thought about Wayne Brown, but then we realised that he doesn't work on weekends, <laughs> and he doesn't make any appearances in the media. So and so we and we've also got his large adult son Ben Thomas here. So. We're, 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 um, we're, 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 I, we're, I, I almost didn't make it today. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was like late, because I've been very busy, right? I've been winning the mayoral election for Wayne Brown. And I took off late. And like, it was almost, it was almost like sort of like the Zorb misadventure. I actually I got off on the wrong like off ramp on my way here. Like mm. I was almost at Hamilton. And there's like a service centre thing. And I hadn't had a coffee. So I was like, you know, I'll get like a, you know, a caffeinated drink, right? So I like pulled onto it, I, I, I went inside, got a refreshing V, quaffed it, retrieved my car from the shop front, which had been used in a ram raid while I was inside. <laughs> but then when I went back on the motorway, I found myself like heading to Auckland. <laughs> and, like, and I was like, I was like you know, I realised, you know, I've had some caffeine by now. Like it can't be that I just like went the wrong way. Yeah. And then I remembered like the One News Cantar poll and I realised that the whole country is headed in the wrong direction. Oh. And, uh, oh, <laughs> nice. One more podcast in the can. <laughs> Cut it, it's done. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, then I was on my way straight to Tauranga, stopping only every five to six kilometres so that Simeon Brown could get out and take a photo of Pothole. Oh. Aww. Did you, for Pothole of the Pothole of the Week competition? Uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a running series. Yeah. It's like a photo essay that never ends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're going to get some chiaroscuro lighting on the way back tonight. <laughs> so we couldn't get the Auckland mayor, as I was saying. We thought perhaps we should um, instead get the Tauranga mayor. So I googled that. <laughs> <laughs> No luck. <laughs> but we've done much better than that. We've, we've, we've got, uh, just from down the road, the, the Mayor of Rotorua Lakes, winner by a landslide. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, also a former parliamentary candidate for the National Party. Um, can I ask you, Tanya, you're, you, 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 you had this fantastic victory. Congratulations again. What do you think people were voting for in you, and how much of that, if insofar as you can discern, was a vote that was a, a nationwide theme, and how much of it was about Rotorua? I think only a small part of it was um, the desire for change, and you've seen that across all um, councils in New Zealand, is everyone just wanted something completely different, they were fed up with the direction, um, but I think a big part of it for Rotorua uh, supporting me as mm. the first female Māori mayor, who's 30 years old as well, <laughs> to top it off. Um, 
But I think what people really love to see in politicians is that they do work hard and they are present in the community. Um, so fortunately for me, I've also served uh, Rotorua as Rotorua Lakes Councillor for the previous nine years. So that was nine years of working hard, having Rotorua see not only what my values are, what you stand for, but actually watching you get things done. And I think that's the most important thing that people um, looked for in this election and they will look for in the next election is they're over politicians making promises, they're well over politicians making excuses and they just want to see politicians who are going to get out there, put some skin in the game and deliver for their community. And I hope that that's why they voted for me. I look forward to achieving that. And one of the, one of the, one of the tasks that a mayor has is to communicate that message from the community to Wellington, to central government. Have you had any conversations with central government yet with anyone from the cabinet? Well, I've got my Since first um, meeting with Minister Woods because emergency housing has been quite a big issue for Rotorua mm-hmm. uh, coming up this Thursday, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, but already, like, Minister Cipollone was having mm-hmm. to respond in answer to some of my statements, which was on the Sunday. So I offic- wasn't officially a mayor then, but just about needing to seek an exit strategy for that. So um, certainly as a mayor, you do need to have these conversations with government. But I do want to say, never in living memory do I believe that central government policies have influenced local government and local councils and local communities as much as they have before. Mm. In the past, we've been quite independent. We operate and we look after our infrastructure and our water, um, and then government looks after all the national policies and strategies, but now those are really affecting local communities. So we will have conversations. Sometimes they'll be tough, um, but hopefully they will be productive. So hypothetically speaking, if you were to be sitting on a stage directly beside a cabinet minister. <laughs> what, what would, would be you, my what wishes? Would you say to her? <laughs> just just the, the reminder that um, as we do go through what is sometimes very necessary change to achieve better outcomes for the community, we're doing that in a way that maintains that local voice because our local communities are freaking out a little bit. We've seen the changes with tertiaries being amalgamated the changes with district health boards now being amalgamated, Mm. and now, of course, the big question about what will happen to the three waters. And so in all of those discussions, whether there's cost savings or better benefits to the community, the main thing that is consistent is people's desire to have their say in policies and in decisions that will affect them. So as long as we can keep doing that, you know, I think we'll be better off. Do you want to respond, respond to that, no. Jen? I don't want to maybe choose which one. Absolutely. And that's what we're very, very cognizant of is making certain that the local voice is important and really kept to the fore in all the changes that have been necessary and that we must go through to make for a better country. But I really take that point. Tanya, and that's exactly what I want to see, is to make certain that the local voice is right there in everything that we're doing. And yeah, we had a conversation out the back, and it's really good to get to know you. And I have to say, big congratulations to you for what you have done and what you have managed to achieve in the last wee while, and what a wonderful campaign that you ran. Thank you. So congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) I was, now that she's been so graceful to me on stage, I'll admit that I also was backstage saying that she did incredibly well in the debate for the by-election. Although the result obviously was different, I think uh, that she represented Tauranga's interest very well. So, yeah. Look at that. Wouldn't it be nice if all politicians were so nice nice to each other? (laughs) Um, uh, If only Ben and Annabelle could get on so well. Uh, One one more question for you, Jen, just on this. As an MP based in Tauranga, watching the commission operate here, I don't know, 
I don't live here, but talking to people, people seem pretty happy with the way things are going here. Is that fair enough, Rupert? <laughs> and, so, and Tolly is running this commission of four, I think. What, I mean, seriously, maybe that is a template for the whole... I mean, with the exception of Tanya Tapsell, <laughs> <laughs> should we just do that around the country? No, I don't believe that at all. But I believe that when something becomes completely dysfunctional, that you've got a city that is as important to the structure of the whole of the country as what Tauranga is to New Zealand, and nothing is getting done, and things decisions get made and then they get rescinded and then they come back on the table again and over the time that I've lived here since 2006 very very little has been progressed then we had to do something about that and when you had the infighting that was getting in the way of progress and and the whole of the Bay of Plenty was being impacted by that, then mm. something had to be done. But what the Minister has said is that we will be going back to full democracy in 2024, and that's a hard and fast date. She does not want to see what happened in ECAN, as an example. She wants to make sure that we do get back to a full democracy. But Anne Tolley and the fellow commissioners were given a mandate of what they had to achieve in that time, and, gee, they're doing a good job. Ben Thomas, you're on the record as saying that all local government in the country should be abolished. Yes. <laughs> and replaced with, I don't know, it's the, the Department, Department of Parks Works and or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Was your, was your participation in the Wayne Brown campaign part of a Trojan horse strategy <laughs> to destroy it from within? No, I, no, I mean, the thing is, these are, I mean, these are structural questions, right? You know, <laughs> You know, it, it, it could be that, you know, for one three-year term, you do get, you know, the best possible candidate, Wayne Brown, <laughs> elected to the Auckland mayoralty, you know, he's an engineer, he knows how, like, sewage works, right, you know. Um, at the same time, you know, when you look across local government as a sector, right, across the whole country, you know, what is it, 600 elected positions or something, and you know, like water is the best example, right? You know, Watercare is doing fine, it's metered, it's a large company that, you know, enjoys scale in Auckland. Elsewhere around the country, like, it's a shit show. And you get things like the Havelock North poisoning because you essentially have people whose incentives are set up all wrong, or, or bodies whose incentives are set up all wrong, which is that they, you know, you, you tend to win or lose local government elections on uh, recognisability and name recognition and you know, are you going to raise or lower rates or try and keep rates down? Now, that works directly against things like, you know, unseen investment, you know, and like water infrastructure. And we're reaping the, we're reaping the, you know, the results of that now. So irrespective of, you know, who, you know, there are good mayors. There's good mayors all across uh, New Zealand, but you can't guarantee it. And the best mayor will, you know, often be just doing what the commissioners should be doing, say. Um, so on a structural level, of course, local government should be abolished. I mean, there's probably a role for like local boards to you know decide who the benches in each park are named after. You know, um, <laughs> that, 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 that could be something you could you could have local meetings for that. Um, but you know, but but at scale, you know, you, you, it's it's kind of mad idea. You would say, you know, let's choose like among, you know, butchers, real estate agents, PR people, God forbid, to plan out our water infrastructure for the next 30 or 40 years, you know? Mm. 
Um, My thinking has evolved somewhat, though, <laughs> because with with the with three waters, if it does go ahead uh, following the next election, then it would just need to be a department of parks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle, yeah, um, the, these, there's been a lot of discussion around the local election results from last weekend, which, if I recall correctly, Tanya Tapes won by a landslide. Mm -hmm. But more broadly, discussion about the extent to which that is a weather vane or a, carries a message for central government. What's your take on that? Well, I think, you know, it hasn't clearly gone right or left. You have places like the far north who have voted in a young Māori mayor like Moko Tipania, you have Tori Whānau, you have Tanya, who, who all come from different political perspectives. For me, if you're, if you're to look at the Auckland example, I'm the opposite of Ben, and I'm more in keeping with Tanya when I think that the, the, the overwhelming message from Auckland is actually about community voice. And there's been a lot of discussion in the last week about the reasons why there's such a low voter turnout in Auckland. And I think it's true that a lot of it is socioeconomic. When you're worried about where your next meal is coming from and a piece of paper turns up with a whole lot of names on it that you don't recognise, it's not a priority to participate. And so in some ways I feel like the Auckland result is really a vote of no confidence in the super city. Um, it's the biggest um, local government in Oceania, and I don't think that that's a badge of honour. And I think when communities in Ōtara and places like that don't see, don't get to rub up against their, elect, you know, their elected officials and don't feel a part of the process, that's when people start to not participate as well. And so I think that in that there is a message for the government because it was Labour that instigated the, the super city legislation under Helen Clark. So I know that on the podcast I've waxed and waned about three waters and whether or not it's a good or a bad thing, but I think the message is, is that when you create these giant structures and you take away the decision-making from the communities, the less participation you have, the more frustration, and then you end up with um, um, election results that are not always reflective of the communities that we live in. What do you think, Jan, when you look look at the... I mean, Internal Affairs isn't really involved in it, apart from the fact that it's responsible for recording the turn, turnout numbers, I think. But mm. that's, it's not responsible, as far as I'm aware, for driving up turnout. But you must watch with interest when you see not just the turnout across the country that's going to probably scrape just above 40%, but also a level of competition for the, for the places, which means that across the country you have, everyone has a 50% chance of those who are standing there. Across the board, there are two candidates for every role. Something's not working. Yeah, I, I tend to agree a little bit with what Annabelle just said, but I also am quite worried about the method of how we vote in the local government mm. elections as well. Uh, it doesn't it, help. Yeah, it doesn't help at mm. all. And I, you know, I worked in a community here, that low socioeconomic community, most of those houses didn't even have letterboxes. Mm. So to get letters and to receive letters for then their voting, um, which is reliant on that, worries me, that they just can't even see the relevance for them 
to even look further to, to try and vote because they don't receive the letter in the first place. But then who posts letters these days? Mm. You know, I had to even think where the mailbox was that yeah. I had to post my vote on that guy. I had to vote on the Friday before they were due because I was heading away. And I thought, where am I going to go and post this? Because I had no idea where the, the letterbox was because I don't post letters anymore. I had to instruct my husband to send mine. Yeah, because <laughs> really? yeah. Yeah. he knows. Yeah. <laughs> and, and certainly I've got two sons in their 20s. I haven't asked them, but I'd be pretty certain that they didn't vote. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and part of that is around relevance, mm. but part of that is also in the method of how we vote. And I think that we do need to look at that. And those are the things that we've already, the Prime Minister's already signalled needs to be investigated because I feel that the low voter turnout is of a huge concern. It's, I mean, it's one of those things in the LGNZ, the Local Government New Zealand Association of Local Bodies, has called for a short, sharp review of, of the process. Well, there have been a bunch of reviews. Yeah, there have been these, yeah. the, the Justice Select Committee has done reviews after yeah. the last three, I think, elections there. They've called repeatedly, Tanya, for uh, the, the, the running of the elections to be centralised under the Electoral Commission. You've been involved in local body politics for a while. What's your view on that? I think on all of it in general, and I, I was watching just, you know, like a video on Instagram recently, and it explained it really well, is that if you're trying to bake a cake and you miss some ingredients and then you chuck it in the oven for well over two hours and it comes out burnt and you think, well, how the heck did that happen? It was actually your fault. So if you convert that into the voting turnout, which the video was trying to make the point of, is that if you don't bother to check if you're enrolled, if you don't bother to tick the box, and if you don't bother to send it off, and then you wonder why the councils end up being as horrendous as they have been, then really, whose fault was it? Mm. So we, we do have to be a bit more realistic with that, and that, you know, women fought for the right to mm. vote, mm. chained themselves to doors and gates just to be able to have that vote that so many of us take for granted now. So I, I think that's really how I feel about it, is that we can throw so many millions of dollars into educating our community. Our teachers can put even more effort into educating the students about politics and the importance of voting. But if we're not actually taking that upon ourselves in our workplaces, in our homes, with our friends to actually encourage people to get out, then you know I think it really does come down to you can moan as much as you want, but eventually you need to take some action. You still need Tanya, to have Tanya, ovens available. I do wonder, though, like how many whānau and emergency housing on Fenton Street would have had, like their voting papers delivered mm, to them. Mm, mm, and mm. if they didn't, how many mm. of them would have had the capacity to pull out their cell phone to sit on hold for like half an hour to the Electoral Commission and mm. those sorts of things? Mm, so mm, I think mm. for ordinary people like us, when you have some resource and capacity, we can do that. And a lot of people like us still don't vote. But for those really vulnerable whānau who are kind of most impacted by the decisions that get made at local government around food banks and all sorts of things, it's a different story mm. and we need to be more proactive in terms of getting those people mm. um, engaged in the process. Mm. And, and, and I totally agree with this and I do like what Jan has also mentioned about um, the need to look at how we vote. I do agree and support with um, introducing some form of online voting as well. Mm. And I think the um, concerns in the past from governments who haven't implemented it because of security concerns, but we're very happy doing all of our online banking online and sending yeah, yeah. very confidential emails and all, all the above. Mm. 
that I think it is time that we allow that as an option because you're right, and especially for younger populations and also Māori or Pacifica, who are the lowest voter turnout, how many times have they moved within mm. the past three years? So, yeah, I think introducing more options would help with the overall voter turnout. But, I mean, the other thing is it just doesn't seem present for most people, right? Now, local government seems extremely oppressively present to me after the last four or five years. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if, if you haven't been to sort of dozens of campaign meetings and had the same sort of speeches and Q&As done you know, over and over again, mm. you know, a lot of people don't really know that the elections are happening, mm. right? So where there does tend to be, slow, you know, not high, but higher turnout, places like Wairoa, uh, I think Rotorua had okay turnout, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it was the highest in a while. It was like 46% or yeah. something. Oh, wow. <laughs> Almost half. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and it tends to be places with strong um, local news coverage, yeah. like strong community yeah. uh, papers. Um, live in, podcasts. Li- live podcasts, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Um, and, you know, because... Up in Auckland, for instance, right? All of that, all of the media in Auckland is basically national media. The community newspapers sort of got gutted years ago, and they're basically just feeders from the stuff newsroom yeah. in most cases. And trying to get trying to get any kind of news or debate up is, you know, very very difficult. I don't know if the Herald had one front page that was about the mayoral election. They uh, heard um, Pippa Coombe, who was uh, oh, who lost to. Annabelle's dad, um, saying that there were there wasn't any coverage of um, the councillor, yeah. uh, and there were no debates yeah. uh, held in the award mm. between council candidates. So I mean, you know, the, the, in terms of this idea that the barrier is simply not being able to find a letterbox, which you know, very difficult for me. I'm 44. I'm the youth demographic for local government, and I couldn't. <laughs> I, I I didn't know where to go. I just after about three times, I remembered to take it to countdown, but. Like, yeah, if, if you, it, it, it's not as if there were sort of, you know, these, the, the missing million mm. were kind of all noses pressed against the frosted glass of the council windows, banging, demanding to be led in to vote, but being denied by, you know, some sort of like Republican Florida voter suppression. It's that it just wasn't part of their, their lives, you know, and you saw that, like Fesso Collins was very clear that his campaign was about, you know, the missing million, as we, you know, as, they, mm. as it kind of gets called in, you know, getting those, those uh, you know, and he spent a lot of time on the ground. They had the sort of vaunted ground game and the numbers didn't move. You know, it was still about 67% of the turnout of the average across Auckland in places like Otada. So the disconnect is much more fundamental than just getting brochures in people's letterboxes and getting clear instructions on how to vote. Let's uh, park local elections for for a moment, and um, the by-election, which I don't want to I don't want to go too too much into that. But I'm interested, Tanya. We on the podcast, Ben and Annabelle and I, when Simon Bridges announced that he was leaving his job as leader of the opposition to become a chilled out entertainer in his new career, we all said, Tanya Tapsell, there oh. you go. You know, has stood in, in East Coast, did very well, is admired, Wayne Māori, uh, then you presumably at that point already had your, eyes, your heart set on the mayoralty. Would that be right? But did they try? Did, did someone come and sort of knock on your door at night and try and twist your arm and say, we, we, we need Tanya Tapsell in Tauranga 20, mm. in 2022? Mm. I, I was certainly asked. Mm. Um, 
from those within the party and also um, members within the electorate to consider it, which is very humbling. But I think many people in this room who are from Tauranga will understand that Tauranga and Rotorua are very different. Um, for me, I really wanted to be home in Rotorua. Mm. And uh, I knew, and I hadn't declared it yet, but I knew that I did want to stand for me and finish off nine years on council. Um, I, I got to admit, I also was a little bit disappointed in the diversity of the candidates. Um, so that's, that's it was definitely that incredible something. photograph, wasn't oh, it? Oh, they're just <laughs> all very, very similar. Dress codes, perfectly on point. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, the, so, so I was asked, but I think um, just in general with the National Party, but with all parties, what I was really pleased at is that so many people were upset that there wasn't enough diversity that people looked at it and thought, hang on a minute, there's something not quite right with this picture. So I think that's a good sign of what people will expect of candidates and of political parties in the future. Oh, Auntie Hoha, I thought you'd be interested to know that the other thing Tanya said about selection backstage was that she felt that because she's not mana whenua in Tauranga Moana that that was another consideration too and that when Māori candidates stand thought needs to be put into their connections to that all here, which I thought was a really interesting call for Cardinal. Could we pick up on that? Just because this is one thing I'm interested in in terms of Maori seats in in Rotorua. So you had Maori seats in the selection, mm-hmm. and but there was a, initially there was a bit of resistance, wasn't there, from both uh, from Te Arawa in particular because they already have a very close working relationship with the council and all sorts of arrangements and treaty kind of treaty based accords. Mm. Um, how, do, how do you think it sort of played out? I, saw, I, I think I saw it reported that you, you, you had sort of changed your kind of mind about the Māori wards. Yeah, so right from the start, when the Māori wards discussion came up, I was pleased that it would happen for the rest of the country. I was really concerned about what that would look like for Rotorua because um, Rotorua would always vote in a really diverse council. We had four Māori councillors out of ten, of which all affiliate to the local Te Arua iwi. And you have to be careful when you're already doing so well that the consequences of decisions don't have any unintended adverse impacts. Mm. And unfortunately, that did happen in Rotorua. So uh, with the introduction of Māori boards, it now actually divided the community, not only by voter, if you're only on the Māori, if you're on the Māori roll, you could only vote for those Māori councillors. So now that's three votes instead of 10. And if you're on the general roll, you could only vote for general. So that was one aspect. But then also, if you're a candidate, all of a sudden you had to choose, well, if it was me, for example, I'm Māori, but does that mean I have to stand on the Māori role or do I forego all of the votes from my friends and family on the Māori role to try stand for the general role? And I am enlisted on the general role because I believe we should all just be the same. But it, it was um, quite a disappointing result, I suppose, for Rotorua that we did lose um, as many Māori councillors and we did see two great Māori councillors who stood on the general ward not get in. So I think with every decision, you have to be careful what you wish for. Uh, for Rotorua, it was a backward step, I believe, but we're yet to see the results. So I'm still really open-minded to see the benefits of it. I don't want to scrap it before we give them a good chance because they did get voted in on their own right. Um, but I think ultimately, where I would love to see our country and where I would love to see Rotorua is for people to just be able to stand be the best, no matter who they are, no matter what age, no matter what ethnicity, and see the communities like Rotorua has in the past, support them to be at the table. Okay.
guess the advantage that you have in Rotorua, though, right, is that it's a high population mm. Māori mm. rohe, but it's mm. different when you're in, it's different for mana whenua groups who are living in rohe where they're very much outnumbered. And so mm. while I understand the unintended impact that it might have in a place like Rotorua if you're living somewhere else like Christchurch or Something, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can see the benefits yeah. of it, right? And I, just just on that, before we wrap up that discussion, I think it's important to note that Māori councillors don't necessarily represent mana whenua. Mm. Anybody could stand to be a Māori councillor, whether they were Māori or not. Um, and so there's still this real obligation for councils, even that have introduced Māori councillors, to still honour their Treaty of Waitangi agreements mm. with mana whenua as well. So um, that's actually going to be the biggest challenge for all councils moving forward, is we now have Māori councillors, but you will still need, some sort of relationship or agreement where you're helping to engage with the mana whenua iwi of that area too. Mm -hmm. And all councillors, including Māori councillors, all declare the same oath, that they will serve the entire district for the betterment of that district, not necessarily just Māori or general. So we've got a general election next year. Jan Tanetti, can you remind us when, what the date will be for the election? <laughs> <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> But good try. <laughs> Has it been discussed in Cabinet or is that... Uh, no, we haven't actually discussed it, only to say that um, the Prime Minister, and she said this quite publicly, that she can't see anything uh, different to announcing that date quite early next year, but mm. we haven't discussed it beyond that. And there's a lot on the government's plate at the moment with a year mm. or so to go, and there's been some discussion about whether it would be a bit like the... Air New Zealand flight from New York to Auckland, sometimes you've got to chuck a few bags off, you know, <laughs> to get it there. <laughs> Three waters, uh, fair pay agreements, income insurance, media merger. Again, just in the room, just between us. <laughs> Do you think one of those might have to get uh, thrown overboard? No. No? No? <laughs> no. All right. No. It was worth a try. Um, what kind of election would you like it to be? What do you think the election... What will be, what'll be the fault lines, the arguments, the... What will be the points of interest in the election next year? I think for me, what I would like to see is uh, something that... Well, something that I would like to see it not focus on is mis and disinformation. Mm. I feel that um, in the last few years, mis and disinformation has taken off in a way that we didn't anticipate as a country would ever happen to us. Mm. I've just come back on Thursday from a two-week study trip, a ministerial study trip, where I took over a group of NGOs and uh, our regulators and public servants and people from other political parties to Europe and we were looking at content regulatory review but part of the work that we were looking at just happened to morph into mis and disinformation and Europe seemed to and particularly where we ended up in Finland seemed to deal with mis and disinformation better than what I've seen it being dealt with anywhere else in the world and one of the reasons for that is because they've had a very strong focus over years on uh, <coughs> borders and what was across their border, particularly in Finland, because they've got the longest land border, of course, with their neighbour, Russia. Mm. Uh, and so they've been really aware of threats that have been coming from all different angles over that time. And so they've 
developed a, a citizens or people in their country who are very critical thinkers. And I went to visit a school and I was blown away with these 14-year-olds and how they could bring critical thinking to everything that they were seeing on the, the internet, even to the point that these 14-year-olds said to me, you know, lots of people see TikTok and think that that's real, but nothing's real on TikTok, it's just good entertainment. And I thought, wow, you know, the, the level of reasoning that they were bringing was fantastic. And one of the reasons that I talk about Finland is because they started this journey because they knew that their elections were being influenced by external forces, and so they didn't want to have that happen. And that's what I want to ensure that we have going into the election in 2023, is that we don't have that mis- and disinformation that tends to come from external areas influencing what we want as a country. I want us to decide about what's important for us as a country and ensure that we're not listening to what's coming from those external forces. Mm -hmm. And so that's some of the work now that I want to work on. It's not going to work for 2023, but I want to start to work on a curriculum where our young people are learning those critical thinking skills that they're not being impacted by external forces telling them how to think. Mm. It's one of those tricky things that happens with words like misinformation and disinformation. I think this is a... I think it's incumbent on people standing for mm. office mm. not to throw around terms like that when someone just says something they don't like. Yeah, exactly. And, and you saw exactly. that with Trump, you know, the, the yeah. fake news, but it's yeah. sort of the, the, yeah. the meaning gets absolutely sucked yeah. out of these things once I just don't like what Tanya yeah. said and I said, stop spreading misinformation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't have a go at someone because you're offended by what they've said or, or you don't like what they've said because they've got a different political viewpoint. But you can absolutely work on that, what is the disinformation that's coming through there? And that's where it's learning to be critical in your thinking. And look, I had this amazing conversation with 14-year-olds who were fully aware of that. And they would say to me, oh, just because they might have a political point of view that I don't agree with doesn't make it mis- or disinformation. Mm. And that's what we've got to be really, really clear about is that freedom of expression is a critically important in this country and we must hold on to it uh, to the nth degree. But we also must must push back when that information is completely wrong and targeted to interfere in that freedom of speech. Tanya Tapsell, the election next year, what would you like it to be about? What would you like to see debated constructively, robustly in, the, in, in, in that campaign? I think probably housing and crime would be the biggest ones that I would like to see debated constructively hmm. because... Again, if I go back to what I said at the start, people are over the promises and then they're over the excuses. And a lot of the reasons that we're given why things aren't working is because you're blaming the previous government who then blames the previous government. And, you know, people are just a little bit over it. So what I would love to see is actually a real outcomes focus where we get really critical and critical thinking on what we're spending and making sure that that money spent is what the local community wants. So not just someone sitting in Wellington making a decision for communities that they're not connected to or haven't had a conversation with, but also making sure that there's a bit of targets on that money so that if it's just not working, we don't keep investing millions, if not billions of dollars into something that's never going to be a real solution for those communities. Um, so, yeah, I think we just need to get a bit smarter with our money because all of us are feeling that the wallet's a bit lighter these days. Yeah, 
Annabelle, what, what do you, what do you, what is your crystal ball telling you in terms of the way that the election is likely to play? What are the, what are the fault lines going to be? Um, I think the fault lines will probably the, be the usual ones, like yep. you know, urban, rural, um, business, workers. But what it, my hope is that, and I know that it's um, unlikely to play out this way, but just that Te Tiriti isn't used um, as a tool to whip up resentment towards Māori and to spread disinformation about some of the amazing mahi that's happening around the country, including in um, Tanya's Rohe with, you know, Te Arua River Iwi Trust and the co-governance arrangements that are happening and producing really good results in terms of cleaning up our awa and the natural resources that we all care about and want our mokopuna to enjoy. You're speaking about an hour after Winston Peters addressed the AGM and Christchurch. <laughs> so, do you think Winston's going to get back? No. Ben? Uh, what about the election? Well, anything you like. Well, let's first, first, everyone, whether or not New Zealand First is going to get back. What do you think, Tony? No. Gentlemen? No. Okay. No, no, no. Ben? <laughs> no. Ruled okay. out. Ruled out. And what Not about the election more generally? Shall we vote on it? Then? Make it official? Pass a motion? <laughs> our mayor and our MP can sign it off. Well, a, a room in Tauranga voting oh, yeah. for Winston <laughs> yeah. not to be in there. The Only the good burgers of Tauranga can make it happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the election will be one that disappoints Annabelle. <laughs> in the sense that I think, you know... <clears throat> It, it's it's going to be about you know cost of living, um, even if inflation you know falls back, um, you know it's already you know that's that's the one thing with inflation as distinct from some other indicators, you know it's already it's already locked in right if prices rise by seven point five percent and then they only rise by three point three percent the next six months or year, it's still ten percent higher you know roughly, it's not maths, but you know. Um, so pe people will be struggling, um, people who haven't been able to like, you know, increase their wages. Um, there has been, you know, we see it with sort of, you know, the arguments over whether people should be paid to isolate with monkeypox. The, the expectation of government kind of cushioning financial distress for people that was sort of built up during COVID um, is really, hitting up against the sort of realities of high inflation, of, you know, trying to get spending under control. Um, and, and people are feeling that, right? And, and a lot of it is stuff that we can't control. It's the American economy. It's, you know, the price of, of gas. Um, and, and whether that's sort of come back on course or not, you know, the, the ripples of that will be, you know, kind of, I, I think, the sort of backdrop for, for what happens next year in the election. Um, I think, you know, I've sort of worked politically in the kind of totality space for about um, well, 14 years now or something. Um, I'd say this is kind of, the, the, you know, we, we're really heading into kind of 2004 sort of territory. Mm. Um, mm. I think this is, there's certainly more public discontent about the Crown Māori relationship than I've seen, you know, uh, you know since that time. Um, I, you know, that will be something that Winston Peters will try and exploit. And your mate. To try and get into, <laughs> into government, yeah, and, and the ACT Party will be fighting for that ground with them. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't think National uh, will really get into it beyond its sort of headline uh, things like, you know, the Māori Health Authority, 
Um, and they got their wish, they demanded the debate, and then here it is. Yeah, <laughs> here's the debate, yeah. Um, so I, I think that will be the kind of B plot that runs through the election, while the major parties are really focused on um, cost of living, economic issues, um, and then you know, where that plays out in terms of social deprivation, housing, obviously. Um, but I think the, the B plot that will run through it uh, will be, will be um, Māori Crown relations stuff. Yeah. There's, there's, um, Annabelle touched on on this urban rural thing, Tanya, and and travelling around a bit during the local elections, I found that three waters just in the cities not really a, not really a major factor. As soon as you moved out of the major centres, then it suddenly became very visible, including on signs on the side of the road and the debates and so on. And then we've had, of course, the uh, emissions debate around with in terms of agricultural emissions. Is that is that is, is that shaping up towards something? It's always, it's a, it's a constant, right? In terms of people people uh, have different voting patterns in rural areas to urban areas, fine. But is it going to be wedgy? Is there a danger that it becomes a, is that, what do you see when you've got a different perspective from those of us who live in? Yeah, I think certainly from a provincial rural point of view, it, it's again just that real feeling that we're losing our voice. And as part of losing that decision-making, you also lose the decision-making on how much something's going to cost. So when you talk about three waters coming in, as a perfect example, Rōturus always have an incredibly high standard of drinking water, which means that we know that if we were merged into Entity B, one of four entities across the country, we will be picking up the bill for helping other smaller councils to actually get their uh, water infrastructure up to standards. And I think... Um, probably what the, the biggest issue for people is, is again that what's going to be the outcome from it. So you don't mind paying a little bit extra if you're going to get some sort of benefit of it. But certainly with the rural and provincial areas, when we see so much money um, designated um, from the government, bigger pool into infrastructure, we don't really feel or see much of that in the smaller communities. And because we are smaller communities, we rely on a smaller rate base to actually pay for that infrastructure too. So we ha have end up with these very big, long wish lists of our 10-year long-term plan where you hope that your road might get sealed by the end of that 10 years. So it's a very different discussion between hoping your road's going to get sealed, your potholes are going to get fixed compared to a big cycle lane or light rail. Mm. Annabelle, the, the door's just opened suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> as as if a message <laughs> directly from <laughs> God. <laughs> And now they're shutting again. Yeah. <laughs> You're missing out so much, those of you who are listening to this. It's been a lot of visual entertainment. There's, Annabelle, there's, there's, it seems that a lot of the mayoral uh, contests, the local body contests, with the exception of the landslide victory to Tony Tapsell and Rotorua, there was a kind of grouchiness that pervaded through lots of it, right? Mm. There was a feeling of a bit of a, you know, what's that, um, down with this sort of thing. Mm kind of vibe and I guess a lot of that is like of course you know coming out of COVID the cost of living crisis mm. just coming out of winter there's a whole bunch of factors that feed into that mood yeah. do you have a again crystal ball political weather forecast do we all go and have a lovely summer swim in the sea wash out the cobwebs come back wanting a bit of optimism because so far and it's a long way out I'm not hearing a lot of the uh, you know, John Key used to do his cusp of something special trick, right? Mm. And it was that you need to give people something that is hopeful, the politics of aspiration or whatever. 
Do we come back feeling a bit more hopeful or wanting that hope next year, or do we just stay Well, grouchy? we would if the election was in February, but Jan's <laughs> hinting that it's not going to be then. What I did think. she say? November, <laughs> November the 28th. February, that's what. Well, Winston Peters Is announced that it's going to be a snap election. Yeah, he, he's announced that it's going to be a snap, snap election. election. February. But, um, no, because, you know, it's going to be later. So, But I... There, there definitely is a grumpy wairua out there, but I don't think it's that unusual for where we are in the election cycle. Mm. Like It was kind of like that when Helen Clark was six years in. It's like that when, you know, when any government is on the end of their second term, I feel like you start to get that kind of discontent rippling through. And, I mean, I have some sympathy for Labour. I've said this before on the podcast. If you guys have... If you listen to Gone By Lunchtime, you've probably heard me say I sound boring, but I do stories all the time about communities with terrible water problems. My brother-in-law came to stay with me last week from Levin, and he's like, sis, can I drink the water out of the tap? I'm like, yeah, bro, it's all good. But, you know, there is an issue with water, and I respect that at least they've had the... they've put some effort into trying to address this issue. It's not... Clearly it's not the answer. There's lots of, you know, things that need to be worked through. But something has to be done, and I just hope that whatever happens after the election, that all of these who are here around the country are able to not rely on bottled water or boiled water, yeah. um, and that we can have the water infrastructure that we are a country that's rich enough to have. It's just... Crazy. Some, somewhere along the line, it's become a kind of catch-all for grievances and dissent, the Three Waters thing, hasn't it? Mm. And, and so that story that you're telling, which is we can together achieve this beautiful glass of drinking water that we yeah. want, that hasn't, that, that's, that's not what it's become, is it, Minister? That's the, that's <laughs> the um, uh, neighbour Jan. Um, uh, just remember that internal affairs doesn't cover local government and, and the three waters, um, that they have their own minister. Yes, so I'm not yes. speaking as a minister. No, for sure. Okay, what about more generally in terms of that point about the uh, the wairua that mm. Annabelle touched on? Are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna go into an election next year with with some optimistic light ahead of us? Look, I think Annabelle's exactly right, too, when she talks about the discontent. I mean, they called it the winter of discontent. Helen Clark's government went through the winter of discontent mm. at that time, in exactly the same stage of the electoral cycle. But I also think that people are tired. People are just really tired with what we've had for the last two and a half years. Mm. It's something that none of us anticipated. No one anticipated that the pandemic was going to hit like this and mean what it's meant for our country. But again, when you look at what's happened overseas and when I was in other countries and they were looking, I was having ministerial meetings and the ministers were asking advice. You know, countries like France, where the ministers were asking advice of us about uh, how we'd handled this or how we had come through it because they felt like, uh, they still had a long way to go, you sort of realise that we're a lot further ahead. Now, that doesn't mean much to the person on the street. Mm. The person on the street's living their life and can only see what's right in front of them, and rightly so. Um, so we do need to have some hope. But what I, have, I get hope from is that 
you're starting, I'm starting to feel a sense of optimism, and it's just a little bit, but I am starting to feel that sense of optimism when people are starting to see that life is returning back to some sense of normality again, and they're starting to feel that, you know, this time last year, we couldn't have done this. Mm. And people now are starting to go out, and I was at an event last night that happens annually, that couldn't happen last year, hasn't happened for the last two years, back doing it again, and the optimism was there. So I am starting to see an optimism around people getting control of their lives back, which they haven't felt that sense of control for quite some time. You're a picture of optimism always, Ben, so you, it's mm. hard for you to assess that one. Yeah, I, in terms of the sort of mood for grumpiness, I, I think that's right. I think the government's pretty successfully put COVID behind it or to, 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 to rest as a sort of, you know, prime ministerial issue, right? Now it's just sort of business as usual operational issue for Ministry of Health. Um, and people are getting back to normal. But the problem is that takes, you know, the political problem there is that it takes you back to the kind of narrative that was sort of fully entrained before COVID hit, which was the, the lack of delivery. And I think it comes back to something Tanya said right at the beginning, which is that if, if the local government sort of results, if you can read anything from them, I think it's very hard because of, you know, the individual races are very different. Um, the turnout's very low. The people who turn out uh, uh, don't really give you a, a read on what will happen in a national election. But they, they, I think if they show anything, it's that middle-class voters are less probably susceptible to utopianism. Um, you know, in Auckland, for instance, you know, yeah, Wayne, ran, Wayne Brown ran on fixing Auckland, right? Get, get, get these projects done versus Fesso Collins was like $500 million a year for free public transport. Leo Malloy wanted a you know, waterfront stadium and the Commonwealth Games and all this sort of thing. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's that appetite for the big promises that because people have sort of, the, the electorate doesn't expect that they'll be delivered, you know, in terms of if you, pr if you promise 100,000 houses, you know they're not going to be built. Uh, if you promise light rail to the airport by 2020, was it 2020, I think, the first stage to Mount Russell was meant to be finished, and just, you know, just hasn't happened, right? Shuffles will go on the ground in three year, two or three years' time. So, you know, Get Wellington Moving is now currently on its, I think, on its third business case, which the business case is going to cost 120 million bucks. That's a report. I could do it for, like, 80 million. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, would you like a role in the implementation unit? Ben, Five so? million a page, like not even double spaced, <laughs> like, and you know, I, I think that people, yeah, that that it will be much harder for the major parties to bring the kind of big vision. You know, we can we can deliver you this. We can build this. We can bring you this. Um, I think it'll be, you know, it will be in that kind of mode about yeah about discontent careful management you know careful management safe pair of hands that kind of thing well on that upbeat note we're just about out of time <laughs> um, i've asked everyone just to wind things up uh casting ahead to election year next year to pluck out one uh wild uh unlikely prediction for election year do you want to go first ben down there and we'll come back this way your 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 wild prediction for 2023 election year? It's, it's, it's less a prediction and more, more like a manifesting it. But <laughs> the, 
uh, somebody, some senior New Zealand first figure goes to prison. <laughs> led, led, led out of, across the parliamentary forecourt in leg irons, you know, maybe with like a ball and chain like behind yeah. them. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Good. I let's like just it. All imagine, just, I mean, let's just all think yeah. about it and like. Good at theatrical. <laughs> Um, thank you very much. Annabelle Lee Mather, what's your um, Mine's not for 2023, but... Um, that was the brief. The brief was for 2023. <laughs> I didn't read the brief. It's also not a prediction. It's just a... No, it's just it? a... It's a matapai. Um, right. um, that Tanya will be the first Wahine Māori Prime Minister. Ooh. But can I just say, let me say, um, T's and C's... Um, my mum actually said that Simon Bridges was going to be the first Māori Prime Minister, and he's now a podcast host. So <laughs> this, may be the, this may be the kiss of death for you, as I apologise. When will you stand for Parliament next, do you think? Um, not, not for some time. No, we need to do a really good job. And uh, because I keep getting asked the question, but I keep saying, why would I take off to Wellington when my hometown is in such a bad state? And I don't know about the people in this room or the people listening, but when you hear Rotorua, do you have any great thoughts? And the answer is unfortunately no. Our reputation has been severely damaged by emergency housing, by the increase in crime rates. And if we don't fix that, then our families in Rotorua are going to feel that for a few generations. So I'm very committed um, to making some positive change as mayor. So 2026 is the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jan Tanetti, your prediction, please. Uh, I predict that on the back of a successful Dancing with the Stars competition, oh, nice. <laughs> David Seymour's chief um, platform for campaigning will be a Treasure Island appearance and going nice. for winning Treasure Island in nice. 2023. At least it's not that FF nice. boy one. <laughs> <laughs> Although you never know. So. <laughs> Tanya, your, your prediction, please. Because they said they never will, my wild prediction would be that the Māori Party actually does work with the National Party and they form the next government. Very good. Very good mm. prediction. My prediction is that it's going to be a dead heat in the election next nice. year. Yeah. Um, uh, if anyone else has got any predictions, uh, please shout them out after we complete the podcast because we don't have the technology to deal with it. Um, <laughs> we, we've, got to, we've got to wrap this up. Thank you very much for joining us on this uh, live podcast experiment. Thanks to Ben, to Annabelle, to Tiai here, our producer over here, who um, many people only listen to our podcast so they can hear his voice. So you've got to at least say kia ora. Have you got a mic? Say kia ora. Just shout it out just so we can have the, the golden velvet voice of Tiahe Bala. Tēnā koutou katoa. applause for that. Uh, thank you to Jan Tanetti, to Tanya Tapsel. Thank you to the Escape Festival Tauranga, to Gab and to Nikki and the whole team. Fantastic event. And thank you to the audience. It's been fun. Thank you. Got it. Kia ora e te iwi, Te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.